This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. We're back. You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, we know relationships are difficult to maintain, even in the best of times. Add to it the stress of current times, including the economy, the pandemic, and maybe even world war. And you've stressed out a lot of people. Make one of them a member of law enforcement, and there is another whole array of issues. Well, do law enforcement couples have a higher rate of divorce than the general public? Are there tried and true ways of making relationships work in these trying times? Well, today's guest is the wife of a law enforcement officer. She is a licensed therapist who focuses on marriage and relationships. Cindy Doyle is an author, psychotherapist, podcaster, and law enforcement officer wife. She has written the book, Hold the Line, The Essential Guide to Protecting Your Law Enforcement Relationship. And she hosts the podcast, Code for Couples. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, uh, Cindy Doyle. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and be able to talk to your audience. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the work that you're doing and, and people like uh, Rebecca from uh, Police, Wife. Police Wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's awesome. I really you know enjoy Ashley, um, another life coach who's really thinking about the the people who stand behind the law enforcement officer and, or you might say the, the people who stand next to the law enforcement officer. And it's really important. I know it. Um, tell us about why you decided to focus on law enforcement as part of your practice. So what it's personal, really, it's very personal in the sense that here I was working with uh, couples in my office um, as a counselor and helping them move through their relationship, helping them move through their hiccups, figuring out what was holding them back. I had a ton of training uh, from the Gottman Institute. John and Julie Gottman have done a lot of research and so got trained in their work, uh, Sue Johnson's work. So all these kind of gurus in my field and was finding a lot of success with the couples that I work with. And I realized that there were some things that just didn't work the same in my relationship. And I was confused. There were things that were happening with my husband that I didn't understand and didn't make sense. Um, And so I always knew that he was going to be impacted by the career somehow, but I never, nobody ever sat down with me to figure out or tell me, Hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in your relationship. This is how you can mitigate that or counter the impact. And so ultimately, I dug in and did my own research to figure out the why behind what was happening. And I was talking to my husband one day, kind of the story goes that we were seeing a lot of people in his departments get divorced, second marriages, some of them third marriages. And there was always just that ongoing joke of, oh, well, you know, this is just your first marriage, not the idea that there was going to be this longevity. And that didn't sit well with us or some of our friends either. So we started, I started trying to think about like, what can I do? So I started working with law enforcement in my office 
because I wanted to impact the relationships. And so based upon my research and kind of that psychological underpinning of what was happening with officers and how it spills over into relationships, I started trying to make an impact. But, you know, I was I was the test case, right? I'm always, my poor husband is the guinea pig all the time. So he, he would tell me things like quit psychotherapizing me on the porch is what he would tell me. Um, so, you know, we were the guinea pigs and trying to figure out how to do this differently and learn and apply what I knew, but also take into consideration how he and I were both impacted and conditioned by this lifestyle and by the career. So we kind of figured some of that out. I started working with people in my office. Um, and then I started code four after I was, it was a slow day in the deer blind. And so I thought, how can I do something different? And so I thought, start a podcast. And so that's kind of how it all came about was I just wanted to make a bigger impact. So other people behind me wouldn't maybe have to struggle as much as we did and wouldn't be told, oh yeah, you just got to suck it up. That's just a part of what happens to them. And that just wasn't an answer I was willing to accept. <laughs> so, so that it's, it's just all about making change and impacting and having those ripples that can impact other law enforcement relationships, um, officers and spouses. Well, I mean, those are really noble uh, goals and the fact that you're doing it is just awesome because Certainly law enforcement people can use the support, men and women, of course. And, um, you know, back in the day, you know, when I started, uh, the bar was the answer, right? You could always find the answer in the bottom of a glass. That was the mm -hmm. theory. And of course, we know that's not true. But yeah. I think, um, you know, maybe that's what shortens the lives of law enforcement officers, you know, the stress and the relationships and the frustration. So it's awesome that you're doing that kind of work. And I want you to talk a little bit about the myths and the realities that we keep hearing. You know, the, the public thinks it, and sometimes we do too, when we hear about things like, you know, the divorce rate. Is law enforcement, uh, do we have a higher divorce rate than the general public? So the myth, what I see a lot over, so, whoops, sorry. What I see a lot over social media is 75%. That's what I see a lot of wow. is that, oh, 70%, 75% uh, of law enforcement couples get divorced. And that is not the truth. That is a myth. Uh, much of those old statistics come, well, they're old statistics and they come from old research from like the 60s and 70s. Mm. And there's a couple different factors. Some of them aren't just law enforcement factors. There's a couple different factors to the difference from what we think is the uh, correct statistic of like, oh, overwhelming 75% versus what the reality is. And the last time they've done research on this was from the census of 2010. Mm. So that's the research that we have because there's wow. very, there's actually very little research to pull a section of the population and specifically look at a demographic of an occupation in their divorce rate. So the best research they had was from 10, 2010 when they did the census. And so based upon that census, law enforcement was actually below the national average. Wow. I have several, several theories on that. I think my experience working with law enforcement couples is that we're a little stubborn 
And we are very committed because as couples that go through this, we know it's going to be hard. So many times we're like, yep, it's going to be hard. It's going to suck. We're okay going through the hard thing. And so we wind up staying and being committed. We might not have connected or intimate relationships. That might be, I think that's more where we struggle. I think there's an open door for affairs for many of our relationships, but we wind up being stubborn and committed. And so we wind up committing to fixing that relationship many mm. times. And when I'm working with couples in my office, many times it's my law enforcement couples that they're like, well, you know, I, I know that he'll walk a road with me or she'll walk a road with me. So by golly, I'm going to, I'll figure this out. Um, so it's an old stat that comes up. And like I said, from 2010 is the more recent stat, and it's actually below the national average now. Well, that, that's encouraging, but it is 12 years old, and a lot's happened in just the last two years. So yes, I, I yes. sure wish IACP or someone would, you know, the FOB, FOP or somebody would do a, a, you know, a more recent survey. It would be really interesting. Yeah. Yes. Now, what about what, what would your recommendation be? I'll tell you, in my own experience, coming home from policing, I needed that decompression time. I needed to be my be by myself, maybe an hour, maybe a little more. Um, sometimes I would just uh, go for a walk or get a workout in or sit on the couch and watch anything a movie, mm -hmm. a basketball game, football game, whatever. But to make that transition from the radio car to home, is it better to do something like that, to have that sort of valve to release? Or should we come home and just try to assimilate right back into family life? I everybody's different. It's, it's hard to just make a wide sweeping, this is what's best because everybody's a little bit different. What we have to be careful of is not coming home and connecting. And, and that's what's really important. So I think it's important to decompress. I think that a really good ritual that I recommend for the couples that I work with is to have a connection on the way home. So mm. when you're on the way home, how are you decompressing on the way home? How are you letting as an officer, how are you letting your day go? How are you um, disengaging maybe from what you've seen, what you've experienced, kind of getting more in touch with you? And then it's important before you reach the garage door or the driveway, whichever it is, that about five minutes before you get there, that you think about how do I want to show up for these people if they're awake? because sometimes they're asleep, right? right? So how do I want to show up for these people that love me, that care about me? How do I, how do I want to be the best uh, spouse? How do I want to be the, uh, the best dad? How do I want to show up? How do I want to be a good pet owner, right? So it's like, I don't want to yell at the dog when they jump on me because they're excited. I don't want to yell at the kids because they missed me. I, I don't want to say to my spouse, oh my gosh, get off of me. How can I just make that re-entry and appreciate that moment with them? Mm. And then have them understand after five minutes or so, I, I need to go wash off the day. 
I need to change. I need to take a shower. I need to just be for a minute because you're not ready. Officers aren't ready to engage. They're coming down from that hypervigilance cycle, right? And so in that come down, they've, they've got to kind of like take off the physical armor and hopefully some of the emotional armor too that they have that they need to protect themselves. So they need some time to transition and transition back to or transition to who they want to show up as, but it takes some time. Yeah. So having having that ritual as a, a family or as a couple is really important. And so if you need 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever agreed upon time is to decompress, you need to go walk, you need to walk out, you need to, you know, listen to a podcast, whatever you need to do to just have that time. And then there's an agreement that after that time, you're going to jump back in and engage with the family in some way. No, you're not going to be hundred percent because you're still in that downside. However, if the family understands, Hey, you know what? You're going to come and be present as much as present as you are capable of being, then that's really important. Another, also another really important part is to communicate for spouses to communicate. Hey, this is where I am. So if I'm, if I'm coming in at like hot, because I've had a really bad day, my spouse needs to know that and vice versa. So if you're walking in and your kids are going crazy, you need to know that. And I need to tell you, I'm like up to my eyeballs, right? So all of that is really important. So yes, I definitely think decompressing is necessary. You definitely have to decompress, do it in a way that's healthy. If part of that is every now and then you go hang out with somebody after work or a group after work, because that's part of what you want to do. And that's it. You're talking and communicating about it. Great. If it starts to become, we have to be careful. Like it doesn't start to become unhealthy or that we're numbing mm. just to avoid. And many times what happens is like, we start down a slow slide of avoiding feelings and emotions and just trying to numb out. So, and that can go for video games or other activities like scrolling, you know, social media, we all avoid, we just have to be careful of like, are, are we avoiding and are we able to engage or is this a numbing behavior that we can, um, that we need to be careful that might lead to some mental health issues or a divorce or disconnection. Right. Right. No, I love the fact that you're referring it, uh, to it as a ritual. I think that's important. Um, recently talked with my wife about rituals as, you know, being something that we do in life all the time, right? In, in religion, right? We talk about rituals and bells and prayers and recitations and these things that we do and throughout all religions, right? And um, yeah, that's really good. Something to, to be able to go back to, have a touchstone. Yeah, really awesome. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, trauma. So you mentioned it early in, in what you just said about, yeah, you maybe you want to make that break so you don't come rushing in after seeing something horrible or, you know, experiencing some trauma in the relationship with your spouse. Um, what What's advisable? Um, I remember, you know, wanting to sort of wall off and, you know, there were only so many things you could talk about your day. How was your day? Oh, it was great till, you know, we got to the scene where this, you know, person was 
torn in half by a bus, right? You, you can't right, leave, right. leave with that. So how much should we be sharing, number one, to to give your spouse a perspective of what you're experiencing on the job without, you know, going into the gore? I think I'm going to say once again, it kind of depends. I think every couple kind of needs to talk about that. There are some couples, I would say, like my husband and I, like I wanted to be there. I, I deal with trauma in my office. So I'm used to hearing about those traumas and I don't take it on. Then there's also situations that maybe spouses aren't used to hearing that kind of information or how to not take it on. Um, how do I, or maybe it touches a trigger that they have, maybe have, they have some kind of trauma. So it, it depends on the couple. And I think it's important. There's a, there's a common thread that I hear in my officers many times, which is I don't want to burden my spouse. Mm. And so that idea of somehow, if I'm sharing something that's hard on me, that there's nobility or, and, and my husband's notorious for saying this too, like I wanted to protect you from what I saw, because I didn't want you to have to experience that. And so he held on to a lot and didn't share thinking that it was somehow protecting me. And in actuality, what it's doing is that he's got something going on with him. And because he hasn't shared it with me, I'm making up stories in my head about is it between us? Is there something wrong? What's going on with you? Of course, then I have that mental health aspect. And I'm like, are, are you struggling? Do we need to get you therapy? Like, that's the bad side of me, probably because I overanalyze it. But if if spouses don't know what's going on, if they don't know what's happening, if they don't have a clue what goes on in your world, then they can't be there to support. And mm -hmm. we're here as spouses. Spouses are there because they want to show up. You know, there's that idea of like, I got your six. Well, how can I have your six if I don't know what's happening? Right. So I have, you have to communicate with me that, Hey, there was a, there was a bad scene. It's bugging me. I'm not ready to talk about it. It involved, you know, a body or whatever you feel comfortable sharing, whatever the spouse feels comfortable sharing, but there has to be something communicated mm. because without that, then I'm not going to know what's going on in your world. And what the research shows is that Knowing somebody's world, knowing a spouse's world is immensely important for having connection and intimacy. And so there has to be something there to be shared. Maybe you don't go into all the detail. Maybe some spouses are fine with all the detail. You just have to decide and talk about it as a couple to figure out, hey, what are you okay with? I think it's vulnerable for officers sometimes to share because... I mean, off, you know, sometimes you just don't want to, right? Like, I don't want to relive that. And so just explaining, yeah, it was a bad day. There was an accident. It's mm. still on me. That might be enough. Yeah. And then later on, maybe you have some time that you're sitting on the porch together and you can unpack it if you want to or need to, but mm -hmm. spouses need to be clued in and we're there to support. And just as much as you want to support and protect us, we want to do that for you as, as officers. Yeah. Great. Hey, I'd like to get into, you know, we talk about um, therapy and seeking help when we get into these situations, maybe sometimes we're in deep already. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about prevention and maintenance, and I want to do that 
uh, right after we hear from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. And we're back and I'm speaking with Cindy Doyle, author, psychotherapist, podcaster, and Leo wife, sharing some really great stuff, Cindy. Um, I just alluded to before the break about, um, you know, why do we wait till there's a critical time in a relationship before uh, seeking uh, help or advice or a therapist? When should we start looking for an outside mediator or somebody to come in and, and sit in on you and your spouse? Well, I, I would say that law enforcement couples or first responder couples in general, like there's, there's no uniqueness to waiting to the last minute, especially when it comes to couples therapy, couples therapy is, or, or marriage therapy is that one where normally when people are calling me, I know I'm getting them when somebody has a foot out the door, that's Mm. normally what happens. And so there's no uniqueness to that. I do think that as law enforcement couples, we need to be aware and educated on how um, we are impacted. We are both impacted. Spouse and officers are impacted by what spills over from the job. We become conditioned differently. So I think it's important to be knowledgeable. So just like, just like you might educate yourself on um, eating trends or working out trends, or um, you mentioned spirituality earlier, I think it's just an ongoing learning process of how do I do better? And so none of us, I mean, I'm trained. I do this for a living. And there are still times when I am, I cannot call upon my very well-resourced tools that I have in my own tool bucket to use with my husband, because there's something that gets in the way. Emotion prevents us from seeing things clearly many times. And so that sometimes is a good time to get somebody else involved when, when you cannot figure out what's the difference between us, why are we having this conflict? That's a good time to get somebody involved. If you have, um, recycled arguments over and over again, uh, that's a good time to get somebody involved because those, those conflicts can get in the way of having conversation. Hmm. John Gottman says that there's four horsemen that get in the way with conversation. And and this is research-based. And he says there's defensiveness, criticism, contempt, and stonewalling. And the most dangerous of those is contempt. And contempt is something that we need to be aware of in our relationships. Mm. Uh, Contempt is a looking down upon, you're ridiculous, which I think sometimes in our relationships kind of comes out. So maybe as an officer, you react because you're conditioned to react. And so you blow up about spilt milk 
But as a spouse, if I don't get why that's happening, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, it's milk. How ridiculous are you? And that's contempt. As Mm. an officer, you might think, oh my gosh, that's what you're worried about. You're ridiculous because our worlds are different. And that contempt can be toxic. That's like the green slime in a relationship. So there's little clues along the way that if you realize that you're struggling with, um, Gottman calls them gridlocked relationships that are not gridlocked relationships, gridlocked arguments where you're not able to get over that hump. That might be a good time to pull, pull in a third party mm. um, or that that um, contempt, like I mentioned, is a good time. Like, oh, this is we need to take care of this because this can be toxic. Otherwise, there's a lot of good information out there that you can do on your own. There's a lot of good information. Gottman has a bunch. I mean, there's several, but Gottman has a lot of great books um, or just feeding the relationship, taking time to um, pay attention to what's important to each other and have meaningful conversations. Sure. Yeah. And, and other people on the show have talked about things like, you know, dedicating a, a date night, you know, sending the kids off with someone uh, regularly, a ritual, a family ritual, if you would, uh, just for the relationship. Um, all good tips. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I smile sometimes because you gesticulate just like I do sometimes, right? Like you want to make that point and those hands are going up. Um, yeah. I, uh, I've had uh, Dr. David Black from Cortico on the show a couple of times, and he's all about his uh, wellness and maintenance uh, app. And I'm wondering, you know, in your work uh, with couples, have you come across uh, an agency that shows that exhibits real care for their people that either provides them with some sort of service or app or counseling? What's, what's your best practice that you've seen out there that really supports families? There's a couple of departments that are very supportive and understanding that relational wellness is a part of mental wellness. So having that relational wellness is actually the best resiliency for officers. And that's based upon research. So if we're going to impact the resiliency, if we're going to impact the spillover, spouses need to be educated and officers, the couple needs to be educated on what's happening. So there are some best practices that I would say, regular couples events, providing information to spouses at the academy, but then also regular times, uh, regular times, I don't know what I'm saying. Also times where, you know, throughout the year, throughout the time that they're involved, because officers that are 12 years in or spouses that are 12 years in have very different uh, concerns or feelings than somebody who's new in the field. Hmm. So it's important to continually have those practices. Uh, I was recently in Oklahoma City And they are implementing uh, a train the trainer program to educate their officers and spouses and to continually update those that information. Uh, They have me contributing to a app that they have through Lighthouse Wellness, and I'm going to have some information in there for the spouses and officers in there that they can access and make differences in their world. A lot of times what I see is the spouses are involved and they might have a spouse group. 
I think it's important for departments to understand that there needs to be integration, that those spouse relationships are important for the health and safety, wellness, resiliency of their officers. And if we can do it as a team, that lowers, you know, that increases safety, it lowers um, accidents and Im impacts them, their ability to come back to work when they're mm -hmm. having traumatic incidences or critical incidences. Yeah. So as far as, as far as apps, there's nothing that I know right off the bat to that's law enforcement specific. I know there are apps that uh, are appropriate for all couples, but nothing specifically for law enforcement. I, I take that back. Um, the 100 clubs are putting some information out there. So uh, Arizona 100 worked with me to get some information out there. And I know 100, some of the other 100 clubs are trying to put information out there for spouses as well. Yeah. And those are support groups, um, you know, for our listeners who, don't, who might not know. I'm actually a member of our San Mateo County uh, 100 club here in California. Uh, people that want to support law enforcement. Hey, um, I think, you know, it keeps coming back to communication, you know, from the very first, um, you know, moments that we've had together, you know, we, we talk about these disconnects and it seems to always come back to communication. Um, you know, mentioning Rebecca from Proud Wife, um, she puts out these, you know, great Instagrams. And, you know, we've been talking about supporting the law enforcement officer. Let's flip it around on the spouse, whether it's the husband or the wife or significant other of the law enforcement officer. You know, sometimes I see these these memes or these videos that show, you know, really real concern. And, you know, when they don't hear from their spouse or they're on an extended shift or just seems like they're never home. Uh, what can we do with the spouse, the non-Leo who's at home? Um, so I think it's really important that the way I approach thing is it's a couple's responsibility. So it's not when I'm looking at things, I don't, I'm not looking at just the, the spouse or I'm looking at both and I'm looking at like, Hey, you're committed to each other and you're responsible for supporting each other. I think the number one thing that officers can do is to think about what's it like in your spouse's world. And to consider what's it like to be alone, consider what it's like to, you know, we joke many times about uh, what it's like to be a, a single married person, because we're off doing those things as a single person and we get teased for like, are you really married? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's really important that spouses work to understand each other's world and provide support for each other and that the couple communicates what's, what's, what do they need? And, and I know we keep saying communication, but what we're really looking for in communication is connection. Hmm. We want to be heard. We want to be understood. We want to feel like you, you get me and you see me and both, both partners, officers and spouses want to feel that. And the best way to do that is to be able to stand in each other's shoes and to have empathy, understanding, and perspective of each other. So when we're looking at the spouse, maybe home alone, yes, there are absolutely some resources out there to be able to connect. I would say the couple needs to look at how they can connect and how they can support each other as well. Awesome. 
Hey, thanks so much for spending time with us and, and giving us some really good tips and clarifying some of those myths and realities. Um, really appreciate it. How can people find you? Code4couples.com is my website and that's code um, and the number four couples.com. Uh, you can go to my website. You can also listen to my podcast. Uh, it's available on every podcast platform. And that is kind of the best way to find me. Instagram, I'm on, I, I'm every platform code for couples. You can find me there. So just Google me and you'll find me. Nice, nice. And what about your book? Hold the line, the essential guide to protecting your law enforcement relationship. So my book is available on online retailers. You can get it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I'm sure it's on other ones, but it's available on those for sure. And also right now I have a free workbook that I have on my website, 70 pages of a workbook to use with your, uh, you and your partner. And you can go that directly. You can go to there directly at holdthelinebook.com. Wow. Okay. I'm going to self-publish your workbook. <laughs> hey, thanks for spending time with us. And um, we'll be talking with you soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Hey, and to our listeners out there, I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed Cindy Doyle and what she had to say. I hope you check her out on social media and take a look at that workbook. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have an idea of a topic or a personality. We're always entertaining. So drop me an email at policingmatters at policeone.com, policingmatters at policeone.com. And love to hear what you have to say. And hey, like she said, watch your six, be careful out there, be safe. And I hope to see you again real soon. Take good care. I'm Jim Dudley. <laughs>